15 Stupid Things Men Associate Their Masculinity With Today. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so that you can make your prior best your new baseline. Today's episode is a solo episode where I blindly react to an article I saw on the internet called 15 Stupid Things Men Associate Their Masculinity With Today. In other news, this episode is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company and I use their products every single day. So click the link in the show notes, check out their products, see which ones might be best for you, and then at checkout, use code EVERYBODY for $10 off your entire order. Now, on to episode 182 of Something for Everybody. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and today I'm talking about masculinity. I stumbled across this article called 15 Stupid Things Men Associate Their Masculinity With Today. And I haven't read the article, but I figured what an interesting episode it would be if I just reacted blindly to this article while talking about it to you guys as I go through it. So it seems like I'm going to go through 15 stupid things that men associate their masculinity with today. I don't know if I'll agree, disagree, or if we'll have lengthy talk, uh, conversation about it or dive deep into certain subjects. But I have a feeling this is going to be a, a great episode really covering uh, masculinity today, how I personally feel about it, what I grew up seeing as what I feel is, is a strong masculine energy, and what I think our young boys need to embody when it comes to having this strong masculine energy. So we're going to go through 15 stupid things that apparently men associate their masculinity with today. Again, first time reading this article, first time seeing anything that this article has to offer outside of the title, which is what piqued my interest, which is why I wanted to record an episode specifically reacting it with you guys for the very, very first time. So here we go. This is going to be awesome. Oh, missed it. Missed number one. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. Number one, emotional suppression. <clears throat> I don't agree. I, I don't think men associate masculinity today with emotional suppression. That's like historically, historically, the world has associated men and masculinity with suppressing our emotions or avoiding our emotions. But today's men at least the men that I talk to that are strong, capable, confident, competent, and capable men want to face their emotions head on, want to face their emotions head on. I was listening to a brilliant man called uh, John Lovell, who's a former army ranger, talk about the, the man is a warrior poet. You know, he's a warrior in terms of being dangerous and capable and competent and a protector, but he's also a poet because he's in touch with his emotions. He's able to share love and express love and be about love and, um, you know, sort of understand the idea of beauty and, and these sort of things that are important to be this fully embodied masculine man. And so I don't think emotional suppression is something 
masculine men or is associated with masculinity. I think it's historically, yes, been associated with that because for a long time. Now, I think there's a distinction to be made. Obviously, masculine doesn't mean men and feminine doesn't mean female. But majority of the time, men have more masculine energy or masculine traits and female predominantly have more feminine traits. I think the ultimate human has a combination of both because you need masculine energy and you need feminine energy in certain different types of your um, times of your life. And you have to be able to deploy those personality traits or characteristics or energy types in those certain domains of life. But specifically masculinity here, we're talking about men because the article states that stupid things that men associate their masculinity with. So this article is about men and how we associate with masculinity. And so that's what I'm specifically referring to when I talk about these things. Now, historically, yes, emotional suppression has sort of been part of the MO of the masculine man. Like shove it down deep, emotions are weak, avoid them at all costs, don't show, don't cry, don't do any of that stuff. Today's men, I, I just don't think that's real and I don't think men associate that. There's been enough conversation about it. Now, yes, men um, still have very, very high suicide rates, which is something that's very alarming and needs to be looked at. I do think that people sometimes disregard and disrespect a man having emotions. So it's not just that men don't need to associate with that anymore. We need to handle and deal with our emotions head on in a healthy, productive manner. But also other people need to see us that way as well and give us the space and time to be able to develop the emotional maturity, the emotional agility, to be able to handle those things. Because for a long time, previous generations told us to shove them down, avoid, you can't cry, all of these things. So we're sort of relearning this idea of how to be strong, capable, confident, dangerous men while also being able to speak about things that are more emotional. I need help, asking for help, uh, having a cry, expressing love, being about love, being a caretaker. All of those things are part of the masculine and feminine dynamic, but I, I just don't think we associate with that. Like that's not a badge of honor. We're not saying, yes, woo, we want to suppress our emotions. No, it makes us feel like shit. But we have all these other things happening like that we feel like a burden. We feel like no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit at all. So we're going to suppress those emotions so we can pretend to have everything be okay all of the time. We can carry the weight of the world on our shoulders and we can move in that direction. So we don't associate with emotional suppression. We feel like that's our only option. And so having a whole society trying to not be about that anymore, trying to reverse engineer that into allowing men the space to have these emotions while also portraying these really strong, healthy, masculine traits of competent, uh, capable, caring, compassionate, you know, people. And so I think that's that. And that's number one. Great, great start. Great start. Number two, dominance. Like, I don't know why that's a stupid thing. Uh, to associate masculinity with. That doesn't make sense to me. Now, dominance in a sense where you're just using your power to be a tyrannical, evil dictator, sure, that's awful, right? But if we think that all hierarchies are predicated on power, not respect and merit and hard work and earning things, then yeah, you can just deem everything as power and everything as dominance and everything as the patriarchy. 
but like dominance in a sense is, is going about and, and doing the thing that you wish to do. Like I tell my young athletes, let's be resilient and let's be dominant. Let's be resilient and let's be dominant. Dominant has a negative connotation because yeah, some men throughout history have been dominant in an evil, terrible, tyrannical way. And I understand that. But dominance it, it has positive connotations like in a sense where i want to i want to dominate my life i want to you know in sports things like that and so again i i don't feel like this word is a stupid association with masculinity like with all words and traits and characteristics right there's a there's a vice of excess and there's a vice of deficiency some men are too weak and too docile and afraid of their own shadow some men have a vice of excess of dominance where they're tyrannical and greedy and dangerous in a bad sense in and violent and things like that but there's a there's a dominance that that sits right in the middle that walks that sort of tight equal dynamic equilibrium where we portray this sort of dominance about ourselves, which really means this sort of confident, capable, competent human being who is who is willing to do things to protect his family or to go out into the world and prove himself and earn things and be about action and all of this stuff. And so they're just these words are just thrown out like all men are dominant. That's just not true. Like you don't want to be generalized. If I'm speaking about you, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your background is, gender, creed, whatever, you don't want to be generalized or put into a box and neither do men because a lot of men that I know, the, the best men that I know work really hard to have a dynamic personality about them, to possess feminine and masculine traits. And so to put everyone in a box saying men, men emotionally suppressed, they avoid, they're all dominant, like that's ridiculous. And then a young boy will hear that and he'll think, oh, I cannot possess any of these traits. And then he will not possess any of the traits that we need them, that we need young boys to have. We need young boys to want to be confident and capable and compassionate and competent we need that. But if all they hear is men are dominant, oh, I need to back off. I need to back off. And that's not what we want. So the language we use when describing these sorts of things is extremely important. That's why this article really piqued my interest because it's titled in such a horrible, demeaning way, 15 things, 15 stupid things that men associate their masculinity with today. I'm totally fine with associating with dominance if you're talking about in the right sense in the right sense, but everyone wants to wants to undermine and demean and call masculinity toxic in all forms. That's not true. That's not true. Think about a man in your life who you know to be healthy, loving, and that person is great. That's a that's that's the valuable sense of masculinity. That's where we're trying to go. So we have to use the right language and the right role models to approach that thing for young boys in our society. Number three. Aggressiveness, it's literally the same idea. Literally the same idea. So you're saying that it's stupid for masculinity to associate with aggressiveness. There has to be a time in your life where you need a man to be aggressive. Again, there is a vice of excess and there is a vice of deficiency. All things like in terms of these very powerful words need to be sort of in the middle. And... The most important part about dominance and aggressiveness is that I have voluntary control under them. Yes, I want to be dominant. Yes, in certain situations, I want to be aggressive. 
but I have voluntary control over those things, over those emotions. Dangerous in a sense that I have voluntary control under those things. Jordan Peterson says this all of the time when it comes to men. Become a fucking monster. Become a monster. Become a monster. Become the most dangerous man you can be and then have it under voluntary control. Voluntary control. Because the opposite of that is a weak, docile man. And that's not what we need in our society. We need men who have things and their emotions and these sorts of uh, deeper masculinity traits under voluntary control. So again, we are confident, competent, capable, compassionate, and caring men. That's what we want. <clears throat> man, fired up and I'm already in, only at number three. <laughs> um, the flower misconception. I don't know what that is. So I'm going to read what she has to say about it. Some men consider a love for flowers, beautification, and even ornamental aesthetics as a woman thing. But let's face it, gender has nothing to do with enjoying the beauty of nature. There is nothing unmanly about admiring flowers. They are universally beautiful creation. I think that's true. Uh, I know plenty of men who love to give flowers, um, who love to show love, who love to shower their partner, whoever it be, in love. Um, I know that my friends specifically, we go on hikes when we travel specifically to see the beauty of nature. Like, that's the beauty of nature. That's the feminine characteristics that we embody when looking at something beautiful. When looking at something beautiful. That's why it's important to have all of these characteristics and, and mesh them together so you can be this best version of yourself. Um, nature is beautiful. The world is beautiful. Our planet is beautiful. And I see excellence in beauty. I see that love and admiring things that are beautiful. Art, music, flowers, nature, things like that. That's important. And being able to express those things is part of the poet society side of the warrior poet, which I think is a great sort of nuanced distinction of, of a man, the warrior poet, you know, having both sides of these things, being able to share and express and move in a space where you can be about love and give love and, and weep when you are in love or feeling love, but also being that warrior. And so I, I, the flower misconception, I didn't really know what that meant at the start, but that's a cool one. <sighs> Quick drink, back at it. <clears throat> Next one, what do we got? Not using hearing aids. I, I don't understand what this means. Unbelievably, some men have the strange assumption that using hearing aids somehow diminishes their manhood. Instead of making compromises for looks, they would rather take the chance of mishearing crucial information. It's an incredibly egotistical position to put pride over clear communication. Gentlemen, being a man is about knowing and engaging with society around you, not about how you look. I've never heard about the hearing aids idea for how men associate their masculinity. Like I don't know a single person. Maybe I just don't know the older generation because they're usually generally the ones that are using hearing aids um, later in life. But I don't know that they associate their masculinity with not using hearing aids. So I just don't know this one. But, you know, just just hearing what she, this woman has to say about it and it's like. It doesn't, it doesn't diminish your manhood. Like, 
wearing hearing aids or glasses or anything like that. Your, your manhood is about who you are. Your manhood is the values that you represent. Who you are as a person is the values you represent. Your first principles, your personal philosophy, how you act in the world is a determination of your manhood, not how you look. It's about action. You get the respect that you earn. You get the respect that you earn by treating people the way you want to be treated, by giving respect, by showing respect, by being courteous and competent and compassionate and reciprocal and being able to negotiate in a calm, collected, cool manner, being able to voluntarily handle our emotions and want to face them head on. That's manhood, not this idea that you like your ego and pride is more, no, uh uh-uh, none of that, you know, who you are, whether man, woman, or anyone in between, it doesn't matter, right, doesn't matter what you identify as, who you are as a person, identity really means is your repeated beingness, we can talk about identity all we want, but it really means repeated beingness, it's who you're being, Who you're being means what values you portray every day and how you act in the world. That's the determination of your character. And your character is how you get the things that you want in this world by being honest and kind and compassionate and consistent and resilient and hopeful and optimistic. Like those are the values. That's who you really are. And that's a sign of your character, your manhood, your womanhood, or whatever your identity is, right? Again, identity, repeated beingness. That's what we're talking about here. That's identity, repeated beingness. So who are you being? How are you showing up in the world? What are your first principles? Are you living by them? Are you thinking and feeling and moving and filtering your actions through those first principles? Do you know your first principles? Have you wrote them down? Have you put them to memory? Have you put them to test? Like those are the real markers of who you are and your manhood. Next one. Sexual escapades. Associating manhood with many sex partners objectifies both men and women. Genuine masculine connection and respect for another are valued more highly than objectification or conquest. Men should be taught more to cultivate positive attitudes about close relationships and sincere emotional ties rather than how many sexual escapades they have had. Yeah, this is an interesting. Let me take a drink of water first quickly. This is an interesting one because I 100% as someone who's engaged and about to be married uh, next year and am extremely excited about committing to one woman for the rest of my life. Now, if you talked to me about that six years ago, it would not have been that way. But I moved into a stage of my life where committing to a lifelong partnership of effort and reciprocity and negotiation and communication and intimacy, that sounds awesome. A lot of work, but I love the effort that has to be put into to cultivate something that is the best relationship that I'll ever have in my whole life. And I know a lot of men who talk about that today, who talk about monogamous partnerships. And they're extremely important for the fabric of our society. They're extremely important for the cultivation of community and love. Um, But I also think, potentially, there can be some exploration for a man. Now, there's lots of different views on this. You can, 
you know, work your whole life to to have to find the one and then be with them forever. Um, I'm specifically talking about men here. Um, they're they're sort of I think at least that men similar to me. Uh, there's a lot of different personality traits and types out there. Sort of need to close the loop. Need to close the loop. So there's no thought in the back of their mind that sort of the grass can be greener elsewhere or am I still, do I still got it or whatever those things that we might say. So you sort of have to close the loop. And for some that could be after one sexual encounter with a person or that could be after a couple years of some sexual encounters or as they say here, some sexual escapades. But I think it's important to close the loop because then you figure out what you want in terms of all that stuff sort of is empty and shallow and makes you feel like shit. That's where I landed, laying in bed next to a woman and and really just feeling like shit. Um, I did a whole episode on it a long, long time ago. I think it was episode 83. This is episode 182, so almost 100 episodes ago. And I may come back and rehash that story about my, my year of celibacy and uh, pornography and masturbation and my story with that. Um, but I, I ended at a point where I was, was feeling like shit. And so I had to make a change. And so that led me down a different path uh, of celibacy and really trying to open up my heart and soul to one woman for the rest of my life. And God willing, I found her and it's been the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me. And I encourage all men who are listening to this to go out and try and find that. But you have to be ready for that. You have to, one, be emotionally available and stable enough to nurture a woman, to be able to understand and cooperate and communicate and reciprocate and express what you want and need and, and understand how what she wants and needs by listening and, and responding and caring. You have to be in that space. You have to have worked on it. You have to have cultivated those skills to be able to attract that sort of high-quality woman who's looking for that long-term partner that you can give to create this, this, this partnership, this relationship that could be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. And then you add kids and family and community and all of that stuff into the mix, and it, and it could be the most incredible thing that's ever happened. And, and, it's, a, and it's an important part of the fabric and the extension of our society. But I do think some men, like myself, speaking personally, needed to close that loop. And once I closed that loop and finally came to terms with what I was doing and how it was actually making me feel, then I was ready to say, okay, my life needs more. My life needs more. And what it needs is a, is a partnership. It needs lifelong commitment. It needs effort. It needs that person to, to walk with me through life, linking arms in the trenches, out of the trenches, in the good stuff, in joy, in sorrow, in pain, in happiness, in all of these things. And that's where I'm at. And I'm getting married uh, next September in 2024. So I, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. So that's where I'm at. And uh, I think anyone, anyone can go on that journey, but you have to open your heart to it. And you have to cultivate the skills that allow you to attract a partner who is amazing and can make your life better and you can make their life better too. That's why it's a partnership. That's why it's cooperation. That's why there's reciprocity. That's why there's negotiation. That's why there's effort for the rest of your life to make this thing work because you deeply love this person, but love is an action. Love is an action. Yes, it's a feeling. I love you. But also, I love you means I actively take care of you. 
If I love something, I actively take care of it. Self-love, actively taking care of it. I love you. I'm trying to actively take care of you. It's action. It's effort. It's lifelong. And it's fucking beautiful. Next. Lack of empathy. Some men pride themselves on having little or no empathy in dealing with others. A man that considers a lack of empathy as something of strength cannot build rich, healthy emotional connections. True masculinity values empathy as a virtue, encouraging, understanding, and strengthening interpersonal bonds. Yeah, I don't think men associate their masculinity with lack of empathy. I just don't think so. The the statement that's true right there is the last statement, right? True masculinity, excuse me, values empathy as a virtue, encouraging, understanding, and strengthening interpersonal bonds. Empathy. Empathy is a fantastic thing. Real, honest empathy. And I think, again, the men that I know, the strongest, most capable men are very empathetic. They're very understanding. They're very curious, right? They're trying to understand what the person is saying. They're trying to put themselves in their shoes. That's why they create relationships, whether they're friendships, romantic, uh, colleagues, all of these things, right? They're creating real, honest, genuine relationships because they've understood, they understand that empathy is important and seeking to understand is important and being curious is important. And so that's what I think uh, on that one. Next, physical strength. I do think, I do think that men associate their masculinity with physical strength because it is important. It is important to be in the gym or wherever it is working on your body because your body and moving well is a foundational tenant for any human being on this planet. Here's what they have to say about it. Men's gender identity has many facets and equating masculinity to physical strength alone is disrespectful to those qualities. Along with physical qualities, emotional intelligence, innovative thinking, and empathy are vital parts of true masculinity. Appreciate the beauty in various expressions of power, but reject antiquated norms. I agree with a portion of this, right? There's many other qualities that I associate with to be to be part of this strong masculine man and I've mentioned them a couple times they're all C's and none of them none of them talk about physical strength it's competent confident capable caring and compassionate those are what I consider if you have those five traits or you're working on developing or cultivating those five traits then you are developing a strong sense of masculine energy part of that is probably having physical strength or at least being able to move well Now, it's not a mark. It's not the end-all, be-all of masculinity, physical strength. No, absolutely not. There's tons of other things. Emotional intelligence, innovative thinking, empathy are all parts of a really strong masculine energy. But the four foundations of a human being are eating well, moving well, sleeping well, and thinking well. And moving well is an important part of your life. It's an important part of your longevity, your health, your wellness. And if moving well happens to equate to physical strength, then great. Because the gym can teach you a lot. It taught me a lot. I was started in the gym at age 14. And it taught me persistence and diligence and hard work. And you get the things that you earn. And that's an important thing to teach young boys. So we can't demonize all of these things. We can't demonize them. But we can explain them in a rational way that makes sense. So that when you embody them, you're embodying the strong, important, true, healthy side of masculinity. Next one. The expression of love. 
uh, um, 15 stupid things that men associate. I don't think this, this, I don't understand what this means. The expression of love. Some guys erroneously think that publicly and regularly expressing their affection is unmanly. However, expressing love does not imply inferiority. On the contrary, it exhibits the strength and openness that define authentic masculinity. <clears throat> I, I've been talking about this the whole time. Warrior poet. What does a poet do? A poet expresses love expresses love, receives love. Love is, is the cornerstone of life. Love, what does it mean? The, the true desire for all things to flourish. That's what love means. The true desire for all things to flourish. I want all things to flourish. So I express and I embody love. Love. I have a company called You Are Loved where I express love to as many people as humanly possible. This podcast is called Something for Everybody because I want everyone to get something from it that makes them feel more loved and connected. I am a man and I love to express love because it's the cornerstone of my life. I have the true and the real desire for all things to flourish and for people to know that they are worthy of love, they are deserving of love, and they are deeply loved. So I think, again, the strong, capable, confident, healthy men that I know love love to express love to their friends, to their partners, to their dogs, to their community, wherever it is, right? They do. I, I was with my friends in Okaboji in Iowa and, and talk and listening to my friends talk about how much they love their partners, their wives, their girlfriends, their fiancés. It, it brings joy to me because that's an expression of, 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 of beauty. That's an expression of beauty. So again, the, the healthiest men that I know are deeply deeply connected to how much they love the people in their life because they have a sense of gratitude and optimism for those beautiful and, and amazing things that have that have walked into their life. And so a, a true expression of healthy masculinity is a true expression of love for the people in your life, your family, your friends, like the, the relationships, that's everything. Relationships are everything. And we know that. And when we can express love, we, we feel more inclined to, to ask for help or say we need something or ask for our wants and needs or to not suppress or, or avoid our emotions. Some of those really, really important characteristics. And so I think that's, that's also deeply, deeply important. Next one. Financial success. Yeah, I think, I think men do associate uh, their masculinity with financial success. Let's see what they have to say here. The idea that financial success determines a man's masculinity misses the importance of enviable, sorry, enviable personality qualities that go beyond physical wealth. Real masculinity recognizes that success extends beyond material achievements and embodies perseverance, compassion, and integrity. I agree that real masculinity recognizes that success extends beyond material achievements and embodies perseverance, compassion, and integrity. I agree with that. But I also agree that a lot of men want to provide for their families. And that means having some financial success. And I don't think it's a, a, the wrong goal to have to be able to provide and protect for our family. Now, again, we're talking about a well-rounded masculine man 
having all of these traits in one. Now he doesn't want, he shouldn't have to feel like he has to carry the world on his shoulders. And if he wakes one mistake, everything's gonna come crumbling down and everyone's gonna leave him. We cannot make him feel like that because that's when men decide to um, take their own lives. Again, which is a very serious thing that I want you to please look into to see the things that you can do to try and uh, help out there. Or if you're a man listening to this, to prioritize your mental health. Think about it very, very deeply, what actions you can take every day to prioritize your mental health. But one of those things happens to be finances. And a lot of men feel like the whole world has to be on their shoulders and they have to take care of everyone all the time. And one little chink, one little crack in the armor, everything comes crumbling down and they don't know what to do because they've never asked for help. They don't know how to ask for help and they feel like they cannot ask for help. So we have to make this financial success in a way where, yeah, you can go after your dreams, chase them, work hard, earn the things you get, all of that stuff, but be well-rounded in terms of not just material achievements. Know that you have family and people love you and people support you and you have perseverance and compassion and integrity and all of these things mixed in as well as going after deeply and hard the things that you want, which potentially could be financial success. But if we think about success as giving our best effort and the outcomes are sort of out of our control, then we give our best effort, whatever that looks like each day and whatever happens, happens. The abundance, the material possessions, things like that, they happen, but we feel good inside about ourselves because we're giving our best effort and we're also able to give our best effort in other domains as well, being a father, being a friend or being a coach or whatever the case may be is. So I think there's some important distinctions there as well. <sighs> Risk-taking habits. I, for one, have never associated masculinity with risk-taking habits. It's just not in my DNA. So I, I don't really know uh, much about this. Um, I, I've never been much of a risk-taker. I've never been much of a like a rule-breaker. Um, uh, things outside of that stuff are too important. Like I was in college. Yeah, I drank underage. Um, that was about the riskiest thing I did. But I just cared about baseball and things like that, and I didn't really do anything risky when I was in wrestling. I guess being a wrestler itself is sort of risk-taking uh, behavior, um, but this one I, I just don't really resonate with or associate with, so I can't really speak on it too deeply. Um, it's just never really been me, so I don't associate my masculinity or my masculine energy with risk-taking behaviors, and I, I think if you're not doing that also, like, like and either or, like I just don't know uh, I feel like I'm a strong masculine, I have healthy masculine energy, and I um, I don't have to do risk-taking behaviors. Now, I might do things that are risky in a sense like go all in on my business or quit my job or stop wrestling to go full throttle on this podcast. I don't view those as risky. Um, I view those as just me believing and betting on myself, and so I guess there's a different viewpoints on maybe what the risk-taking habits are. Um, but I take care of myself actively. I care about my body and my mind and my soul and my partnerships and my relationships. And so I'm not going to take too many risks and try and jeopardize that, but I am going to believe in myself. I am going to go all in on me and my businesses to try and do the things that I wish to do, which is, you know, this podcast and you are loved and shop for everybody and, and speaking engagements and, you know, the whole, the whole deal, everything that I do, you know, on a day to day basis. So. Not much on that one. <clears throat> Next one is lack of emotional expression. This is the same one that I talk about at number one, which is emotional suppression. Like, I just don't think that we associate 
healthy masculinity with emotional expression, with lack of emotional expression. Like that's been the rhetoric and the narrative for a really long time, but there are really strong, capable men who are working to reverse that, who are working to reverse that. And we have to express to our young boys who are listening to men, who are listening to men all over the internet all the time. We have to have these strong male role models who embody the traits that young boys wish to possess. People who can speak, are sophisticated with their language, who are competent, who are confident, who are capable, who are caring, who are compassionate, who express their wants and needs and emotions and aren't afraid to be vulnerable or courageous and truthful, but also can be strong and dominant and dangerous and capable. The combination, the meshing of the two, those are the people that we need to have the young boys looking at. Now, I don't associate lack of emotional expression with masculinity. I don't. Because I think the work that's being done now is trying to reverse that. And we've sort of over-rotated. I don't think a weak man or a man who stands back um, is also good either, right? I, I don't consider someone who, um, yeah, like, like, yeah, there's the vice of excess and the vice of efficiency. Again, we want to be in the middle. We know the people who are the vice of excess, the whatever quote-unquote toxic masculinity. We know the vice of deficiency, sort of your weak, docile, afraid of our own shadow type of men. No, we want the ones who are in the middle, who can have both of these characteristics, who can be strong, who can strap their boots up and get shit done, who can go to work or go to war, right? But also who can express their wants and needs and the things that are on their heart and they can ask for help and they can be courageous and truthful and vulnerable and all of these great things. That's what we're looking at. That's the role models we need to showcase to our young boys who then can envision themselves also embodying these things. Which ultimately means taking responsibility and ownership and accountability for your life. Taking responsibility Accounting, account, accounting ship, taking responsibility, taking ownership and taking accountability for your life. You are what you do daily. Make choices that are <clears throat> conducive to where you want to be. Have a vision, plan out that vision and take responsibility for your life. Next one, rejecting help. Talked about this a lot especially in the domain of mental health. Again, men do not associate this with masculinity. They don't like, yeah, we're rejecting help. A lot of men, most of the time, feel like they don't have anyone to go to. Excuse me. So it's less about this and more the fact that they feel like they have no one to go to. And that's very sad. Again, that's why male suicide rates are extremely high. But we need to create a culture and a society that is open and willing to receive those men with open arms, with care, just like we would anyone else. That's why it's important. That's why we're not rejecting help. We're not rejecting help. We just don't open up because we don't think anyone gives a fuck. And a lot of times they don't. A lot of times they'll reject us for asking for help. Suck it up. You're fine. Snap out of it. What's wrong with you? Stop crying. All of that shit we've heard all of the time. And so now the the narrative is changing. So we're not rejecting help. We're just a little weary about it. How will we be received? How will we be received? Who will receive us? What will they say? What will people think of us? Are we a burden? Is it actually helpful? Will it help? What should I do? All of these questions go through our brain all of the time. And then we see things like this, that we associate masculinity with rejecting help. That's not true. That's not true. 
what's true is that we want to ask for help. We really want to ask for help, but we feel like no one cares or we have no one to go to. And so we have to create that sort of culture that is conducive to those sorts of things for men, for boys to open up, to share, to express themselves, to attack their emotions head on, to not avoid them, to not um, suppress them, but to say, yes, these are my emotions. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Okay, what can I do about it? How can, I take, how can I take this on because I'm not this emotion, it's fleeting, but there's an action that I can do to help me alleviate some of these emotions so I can move on into, or into my day or into my relationship or be better for my partner or be better for my kids or be better for my, my players, whatever it is. So there's, there's a lot of stuff there. I, I'm not a fan of that one. <clears throat> Excessive alcohol use. Um, I also don't think that men associate masculinity with excessive alcohol use. Like it doesn't make sense. A lot of the conversations that I'm hearing are men taking responsibility for their life, for their health, for their fitness, eating well, moving well, sleeping well, and thinking well. And that has, doesn't even encompass alcohol. Doesn't even encompass excessive alcohol use. Yeah, it's cool to sometimes sit around with your buddies uh, and have a few... Uh, glasses of whiskey, like some nice whiskey. Yes, I understand there's excessive drinking in college in that culture, um, but I think we're doing a lot to to show the the downsides, the perils, the detrimental effects that alcohol has. Did a whole episode on my over 400 days of uh, without alcohol, which is a great episode. You can go check it out. I'm not sure which episode number it is, but I'll have it linked in the show notes along with the the celibacy episode. But Men don't associate their masculinity with excessive alcohol use. Again, drinking alcohol is fine. You can do whatever you want to do, but it's not associated with masculinity. We're, we're actually the best men that I know care about the way they move in the world, care about their life, care about their health, care about their longevity. They want to eat well, move well, sleep well, and think well. And I think those four foundational pieces just allow us to, to be the best versions of ourselves of eating well, moving well, sleeping well, and thinking well. And so again, I just don't, I don't see this one correlating very well, at least in, in my sphere. Maybe I don't have a broader view. Maybe I, I obviously don't know what's happening with every man on earth. That's like impossible to think about, but at least with my scope and my domain of knowledge, um, this is what I feel because I don't drink alcohol anymore and I'm around a lot of men all the time. And yes, some of them like to drink. Not saying everyone has stopped drinking, but a lot of the role models we see today, Jordan Peterson, Jocko, those guys don't drink uh, and they talk about it. And that's important as a role model. Young boys see that and be like, okay, I can be as capable and as confident and as successful and as sophisticated as Jocko. Okay, I'm not going to do those things either. I had my time drinking. I'm done now because I want to eat well, move well, sleep well, and think well. And my health and my longevity are much more important than having a glass of wine or whiskey or whatever the case may be. Next one. Stoicism. Teaching that men shouldn't cry or exhibit weakness encourages emotional repression, embraces emotional honesty, show courage in expressing emotions and ignore toxic stereotypes. The This is not even close to the definition of stoicism. So you just basically butchered what stoicism is. Um, it's stoicism doesn't teach men not to cry. That's like not, not what it is. Um, 
Yes, we want to embrace emotional honesty. We want to show courage in expressing emotions. And of course, we want to ignore some of those bad stereotypes. But stoicism is is fine to something to believe in. I, I just don't understand why that definition is so poor. Um, but if you want to learn a ton about stoicism, there's this great guy named Ryan Holiday, who's a man who talks about stoicism and how it's changed and cultivated and, and made his life so much better. And it's, it's a, sort of a beautiful practice and a beautiful thing to embody is stoicism and has a lot of really positive characteristics and traits that I think a lot of men could benefit from. Again, it's not telling you to never cry and it's weak to exhibit emotions. It's not true. It's not weak to exhibit emotions. Uh, it's not weak to express emotions. We don't want to repress our emotions because the things that we repress and avoid always come back bigger and stronger. That's when the dragon burns your house down. So we want to be able to handle and face our emotions, the hard things in our life, head on just like we would anything else, and then we deal with them as is. <clears throat> oh, I think that's it. Oh, no. Yeah, that's it. All right. Wow. Okay, so that was, I think that was 15, maybe 14, maybe 15 things. Um that men associate their masculinity with today. Again, my first time going through with that with you. Uh, so sorry, there was like, sorry, there was like a little bit of pauses. I was just trying to scroll through the article to get to the actual uh, thing that they think that men associate their masculinity with today. So I uh, just went through that with you blindfully. I think that was pretty cool. Um, there's another article I found uh, about masculinity, though. So I may do the same thing very soon. Again, the episodes that I talked about are linked in the show notes. The one about me going, um, celibacy and me going sober um, those two episodes are linked in the show notes as well as uh anything else that you want to check out merch newsletter things like that but i appreciate you watching or listening and i'll catch you all next time cheers thank you for tuning in to that episode what idea stood out to you the most? What idea resonated with you most deeply? And if you enjoyed that episode, please share with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And don't forget to leave us a rating or review on Spotify, Apple, or even on Good Pods. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbits directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. But most importantly, really most importantly, above all else, please, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.